<laughs> so Adam, you are in cybersecurity and did you grow up just wanting to like secure oh, things? Just <laughs> How like did people would run in the hall and be like, slow down. There's <laughs> no running in the hall. No, come on now. Don't you understand? Just follow the rules. No, I hated all that. Um, no, I got into cybersecurity because uh, I got bored at work and I told them to give me something hard to do. And this was right after Y2K. And uh, so they, they shoved me into it. And I was 20 years old and I was making you know, 90 something thousand a year. And it's like, I just did, I went where the money was. That's right. actually how I got into security. What were you doing before then? Um, dropping out of the University of Utah. Okay. <laughs> were you studying then? What was your major? Uh, gosh, it changed every semester. <laughs> Started off as architecture, went to physics, geophysics, and I realized how much school was involved. Right. And I was right. like, can I just go do computers? And right. the answer was yes. So I have a high school diploma wow. and a positive attitude and a can-do spirit. Nice. Like Steve Jobs. There you go. He looks better in a turtleneck. Maybe not right now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did cyber for a while, but at the end of the day, what I loved about cybersecurity was that it enabled things to actually happen. And I fell out of love with the technology and fell in love with business and how really, really good, elegant business processes and models can produce amazing things. And so I liked cyber because it got me into literally everything. Mm -hmm. You're in the supply chain for everything. Um, and then you know, moving over to building, running, selling companies, venture capital, private equity. You know, that, that's my happy spot now. So I don't let, they don't let me touch the keyboard anymore except for doing like PowerPoint and spreadsheets. <laughs> um, but every once in a while, I, I remember I used to code. I used to know things. Right. All so those that your transition into the NFT space and what brings you into NFT NYC? So or VIP today? <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I mean, I typed this thing wrong on LinkedIn like six right. times. Before Is there an app? Right. <laughs> so it's a, a twofold thing. The first one is the underlying technology of crypto and, and NFT is really, really secure problem is, is that there's humans involved right. and that's always a mixed bag because without the humans what's the value there's no value right. so you have to have humans there and we should have humans there and also the learning curve and on-ramp for getting good at this mm -hmm. is so long and so steep that there's this huge gap where you are very 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 vulnerable to manipulation by scammers cyber criminals, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so after I sold my company, went to Hawaii for two weeks and started thinking about this problem of the human side of cybercrime and cybersecurity. And so I developed this field of study called psychological safety and psychological security, mm -hmm. which is how do you build resilient human minds to resi resist manipulation through technology? Basically, how do you stop people from hacking your brain through technology. But just being able to identify like a faulty link or... Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Well, here's, here's the thing about those false illusions. Um, there's two different kinds of attacks. Mm -hmm. The first one is just like a fishing attack. Mm -hmm. And usually they have misspelled words, and mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to pick up. Yeah, yeah. And I used to think, these people are stupid. Yeah. But it turns yeah, out, this a lot of people in America. The reason why they are that way, because they only want dumb people to click on it. Right, right. Because right, right. they need you, if you're smart, and they you get clicked on it, right. they still have more processes to follow to get you to give them the money. Mm -hmm. right. So they only want the people who are going to click on things that are easily manipulated. Like right. grandma. Right. Grandma, 100%. Right. Yeah, opens yeah. every email. She got to pay her ransom. <laughs> <laughs> like, boo, you're not going to get you're not getting arrested. Right. Nobody's no coming in for you. The IRS does not send police to your house. Right. Right. And then not even email you, dummy. Right. That's right. That's right. No <laughs> one's going to randomly text you. Exactly. Oh, hey, this you, is Chase. You really didn't serve. They uh -huh. serve everybody in America like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's exactly it. So it, it common sense people. But now here's the thing is that you might be super smart and intelligent mm -hmm. and also you're brand new to a thing. So those very same scams will work as you're just now learning how to use crypto. Because you are a beginner. You are unaware of what's okay and what's unokay. And so there's a huge opportunity for that level of cybercrime. And so my stance on all this and what I'm curious about is we need if we're DeFi then let's be DeFi, because the only other way of doing this is having some kind of compliance or regulatory demand that everyone needs to train. Mm -hmm. No, let's take the responsibility that if you invite right. someone on your platform to use your wallet, provide them the cybersecurity training necessary to know right off the bat, hey, right. you're brand new to this. Just let's let's guide you into the community. Let's just not throw you in with two feet. And so that's, that's a change I would like to see, and that's one of the reasons I'm here. And the other side, I'm angry at venture capital and private equity. I was just about to ask you about that to expound on that because I feel like they take advantage of a lot of people. That you already know. It's like Bank of America. <laughs> <laughs> Bank of America? What? Yeah, I know. Wells Fargo. It's like, you know, come on, come on, 90 days reported into their credit bureau. Yeah. So um, that's kind of ridiculous. So, um, yeah, so tell us about that because. You already know it's a sticky situation that a lot of people are getting themselves into and they mm -hmm. sign over their companies and want some money. Oh gosh, we're going through it right now. So um, I'll, I'll follow up to that because one of my portfolio CEOs is trying to raise his Series A. And every conversation is, do we take, how much money do we take? What terms do we take? And because at the end of this day, this company is heading towards unicorn and if we do it wrong at the beginning, the only people who benefit are the venture capitalists and private equity guys who follow on. And you're gonna lose the entrepreneur, you're gonna lose the founder. Mm -hmm. And also, and that's horrible, not just for them, but those are the people who actually care about the customers. Those are the people who care about the vision and the mission. Mm -hmm. So if you lose the entrepreneur founder, or that person becomes so de-incentivized uh, de that they're no longer interested in participating, um, you're not taking care of your customers, you're not taking care of your people, and it just becomes a, a bean counter spreadsheet of maximizing returns and playing the KPI game. And, you know, that's, that's not a way to build things. I call it slow capital versus fast capital. Fast capital is, I'm going to give you money, and I expect returns in three years. You better 10x my money in three years, and I expect dividends paid out, and, 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 and right? So fast capital is often unrealistic expectations on returns and you can never win the fast capital game. And most entrepreneurs are forced to take fast capital. Mm -hmm. 
slow capital is I understand what you're doing. I'm patient enough to let you build the thing. Most space companies, by the way, slow capital. You're not gonna see any kind of thing for five to seven years. Um, and so what I'm finding is that, especially in the venture capital world, remember, I'm one of them, right? I'm sitting across the table, looking at people, understanding that I'm putting in a place where I might be putting unrealistic expectations on them. And so I, I'm still going through an indemnity crisis. What the heck are we? Are we venture? Are we private equity? And what I came to the conclusion was when I'm here is I don't have to be any of that. I can do this different. I can explore what does it look like if instead of funds that I raise from limited partners, what if instead I raise NFTs? What if instead there was a company? I'll give you an example. One of the projects I'm working on is a moonshine distillery on the moon. On the moon. Yeah. And I love moonshine, by the way. I'll tell you more. But do you think that's fast capital or slow capital? That's that is fast capital. But come on, right? So it's like it's the like only weed, it's like weed in Mars. All right. There you go. I'm there. I'm here for it. Well, okay. Mars space out. Two point out. Two point out. Weed on Mars. Yeah. The the, uh, the problem though is that it's not those kind of things are not appropriate for venture because it's not gonna throw off money. You don't even know if it's gonna work. It's appropriate for future makers and dreamers. I'm, I need every NASCAR fan who loves moonshine to write a check for $25 and buy an NFT. And right. You're winning. There you go. Right. And what's missing, so I love the fact that NFTs exist and I know that people can buy and sell NFTs, but what's missing to me and where I am curious to learn about how to do today, and I do not know, mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons I'm here, is how do I use traditional VC and PE structures to organize how all these things work? But, in re but replace institutional money coming in with money from NFTs or DeFi. And there's a whole lot of problems with everything I just said, but who cares if we don't work on it? Well, we'll right, right, yeah. Wow, so that's. So, how did you get into that business? <laughs> I change every two years, but it's something. Come on, God. He follows the money. Yeah, I follow the money. <laughs> I, I follow the money and I follow my passions and, I might, and what I'm interested in. Oh, you know what it is? It's who I meet. Mm -hmm. It's who I meet, what they're. So, now all of a sudden, I want to introduce you to my buddy in, in um, uh, Chiang Mai, Thailand. His business is putting e bikes on Mars, these motorbikes on Mars. Oh, yeah. You know what? Uh, those bikers like weed. Yeah. Right. Right. So, but that's the thing is like yeah. it's all about who you're connecting with mm -hmm. that drag me towards cool ideas mm -hmm. and I like hanging out with cool people doing big things that's cool yeah because I mean right now so speak, I mean I'm sure no one says anything unless they mean it <laughs> you know uh -huh. so it's kind of like you know I'm sure you've probably dealt in that field. Have you dealt with any e-bike companies? Because it's a lot of, uh, we do a ton of e-bike companies. Oh, really? And um, I'm noticing there's some, you know, there's some, I guess some, some inadequacies or some like, there's a lot going on that I've, I've noticed people are um, kind of angry about. For us, we just want to review the bike and get the information out to our readers. Yeah. But sometimes you get, you know, there's a couple of e-bike companies that, I'm sure you're familiar with that are using people to be brand ambassadors or you know they're pretending to be an american-made company or out of, out of california out of chicago some business and it's like you have a warehouse or a little closet and it's, you know it's a lot of that going on right now it's unfortunate but at the same time it's like come on open your eyes 
so this is why we can't get rid of venture altogether because somebody needs to do the due diligence on the companies to make sure they are what they say they are, mm -hmm. right? And for me, early stage companies are all about the founders. I want to meet you, I want to understand you, I want to know what your values are. If we have misaligned values, this isn't going to work anyway. So I, that's the first step is all about the people. Second part is in numbers. I don't care about numbers so I know the people are aligned. And then it's validation and verification of what you told me is true. Um, and so we get tempted to go too fast on our decision to deploy capital or who we're going to work with because we're excited about it. And it's really, really hard to slow down and do that effort necessary to find out, are you just got a closet in Chicago and that's where all this is coming from and you've right. all your crap, right? And in uh, honesty and trust, who do I know I can trust? So unfortunately, and fortunately, I'm about to get a boy network. I'm about, you refer me to somebody, okay, now I give them the time of day, right? right? And the problem with is those are closed networks. They're very, very hard to break those yes, networks. Yes. Um, and so, man, wouldn't it be great if we could find a way to, to use Web3 or use some of this other stuff to help break out these networks? Because it's a conscious effort to try to network someplace that you're not used to networking. And so what are some of those strategies that you use? Because, I mean, I, I mean that's so funny you say that because um, Oh, do I want to be? Yes. Do yeah. I want to be whatever you trustworthy? <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah. So basically, you know, this, you know, if I don't know how to do something, I'm gonna find somebody who knows how to do it. Correct. So that's, that's right. what I'm So that's just who I am, and that's what I've always been. And, you know, and what I found is that, like you said, if you find somebody that you can build a certain level of trust, and then you create you create this open, this, you know, this network. Yep. So um. You know, I created this network, and then what I found is that I've been, I'm in a situation where actually I introduced this person to somebody, um, and, and, I, and, I st and I stopped having communications with them, but they kept being friends with them, or they did with their friend. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, I mean, have you ever done an introduction to somebody, or you made a connection, and then you feel like you're in the heart of it, and then you get cut out? and you feel betrayed and you feel like that's not appropriate. Um, many, many times that has happened to me. And the hard one lesson is I have to be so clear about what the ground rules are. And I very, because I love being a connector. There's nothing better than seeing the smile. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, that's a good way of going out of business because you don't make a whole lot of money. So, you, tell yeah. you gotta figure out like, how to make it. Look. And so I did value-added connections, what I call it. Like, I'm not, look, I don't know if you guys are going to mesh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick around for these first couple meetings, yeah. and I'm going to guide you guys to mm -hmm. a agreement, mm -hmm. or I'm going to caution you guys to back off, mm -hmm. and I'm just going to take a little small percentage of that as a, uh, right. as a, thank as a fee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the beginning of the relationship, everyone loves each other, and like, oh, Adam, yeah, mm -hmm. how much do you want? You want 5%? <laughs> no, that's a bit aggressive. Let's just do 2.5. Um, and you know it it, it it works. I do a lot of referrals that are just like, hey. Oh yeah, like a concierge. Yeah, it's like you know what? I don't want to do any of this other work. Like I'm I'm totally don't want to do cybersecurity work anymore. People understand that I know what I'm talking about. They come to me. And I refer them to somebody else. And I just ahead of time I'm like, hey, 
Um, let's there you go. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah, I'm just making it. Yeah. You're all up and up. Yeah. I'm making a lot of them. Yes, you have to. Yeah. And if you don't, and you just say, I'll take care of you. It's like a little cold word. Mm -hmm. A lot of lawyers do it. Let's be honest. A lot of lawyers do it. A lot of lawyers advertise when they shouldn't. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people do a lot of stuff they're not supposed to do, but they still do it anyway. Yeah. So, what are, if we can answer you off the record and on the record, <laughs> what kind of what types of clients are you finding yourself? Um, Needing cybersecurity. Why now? Um, yeah, well, everybody. You know, right. yeah, I was about to say the answer is super boring, but, but, but uh, the world. Yeah. So let's let's agree to the fact that everyone should be healthy, right? Why? Everybody needs good cybersecurity. There are levels though of how much you need to pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. You need junk food and trash for a very long time without having cardiac arrest. And the same thing's true with cyber. The difference is that. Uh, well, actually, it's not really that much of a difference, right? Because when the heart attack happens, you might die or you might be really messed up. Right. When the cyber attack happens, you might die or you really might be messed up. And so the folks who come to me and they ask me questions, first thing I say is, what's your budget? What's your pain point? Because if you got no budget, then we can Right. Then, then, then it's like, here's seven things for free that you should do. Oh, fuck. That will really, really help you, right? <laughs> Get a budget. <laughs> <laughs> you tired of that though? It's like, that was like when I was 18 years old. Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to pay my bills? Oh, that's exactly right. And everyone's like, hey, can I just, can I, uh, uh, you want to have some coffee? I can get my own coffee. That's cool. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, In the kitchen. That's right. Right. Maybe mine from scratch. And, and so it gets right back to that. The people who are asking um, most are supply chain people at this point. Yeah, they're a mess. Yeah. So it's like, um, and the interesting thing is, it's uh, these companies are trying to adopt new technologies. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the fact that blockchain and smart contracts can do so much for supply chain, mm -hmm. and supply chain companies have no idea what to do with it. Um, anytime they go and explore it, so it's a digital transformation of legacy industries that spark the need for cyber security and when you see somebody doing digital transformation moving from paper processes to digital processes which is shocking that in this day and age people are still moving from paper to digital and it's still happening they are the ones who need it the most now if you ask the ones who pay the most the ones who are actually willing to write checks is there any uh, company that is being forced to comply by a third-party regulatory body which is what makes me very uneasy about DeFi. Because there is no hammer that says you must comply for cybersecurity, dear, 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 dear. And so we have to expect the community to self-regulate. And it could happen. Mm. It could. <laughs> it could. Well, we don't know yet, because there's a lot going on. It's true. And so I think that it's um, all being manipulated. Some kind of the whole, that's the whole thing, right? So the, the like why don't I go to school for? I mean, besides the camaraderie and the, the network. But other than that, it's like, what the fuck did I learn? Like, really? Well, the, the thing that I'm telling my kids is you have to decide how you want to show up in the world. Mm -hmm. My son's probably going to be an engineer. Probably needs to go to college, get the tickets, that proves he's done the thing. Right. My daughter, amazing artist, musician, all the things. I'm like, I don't know, college is probably not the right answer for you. Why don't you go start gigging? Why don't you go start right. making gig. money? And right, she was gone. 
Yeah, let's yeah. let's uh, teach teach my baby girl how to make a side hustle and a side cash flow in business so she can do the art she wants. Right. By the way, uh, you try telling that to a 14 year old girl, there's a lot of, <clears throat> Dad, you don't have to monetize everything. <laughs> right. Like, what? You're going to want to. It's like, I know you, you love your music, to. but you've got to pay your bills because right. you got to get out of this house. <laughs> right. <laughs> 17. And then you made me an 18. So, the, but, uh, so what happened when you did it? Like, what, what happened with that? Well, with the, uh, something might be going on, though. Well, they got, so this is where cyber security and physical security match. Right. Right. Uh huh. So I, read, I formed this mastermind group of these executives, uh, um, chief security officers for corporation, and chief security uh, information security officers. Mm -hmm. And you could always tell who was in what role in the meeting based on who looked like they can actually do a pull-up. Right. And you're like, you're probably ex-military, and you're a nerd, so that's all right. Where were so what is your, what, what, what's your latest, um, we were just looking down, I mean, there was a, secu there was a security breach. Mm -hmm. So what's your, what was your latest, I guess, what was your latest endeavor or your latest project that you worked on that felt kind of seedy, so to speak? Well, there was a, there was a time about, I'll tell you the big one, um, about two years ago, I was working with a country down in Southeast Asia. Hmm. And right. <laughs> uh, we were going in there to help them with digital transformation and creating uh, digital e-com jobs. Yeah. Like, hey, look, you can you can take your population, you can you know blah 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 blah, and we're going to do cybersecurity, and let's lead with cybersecurity. And we did that song and dance for about six months, and then we found ourselves sitting in a room, well, Zoom room, <laughs> with uh, three generals. We're like, actually, what we really need is a deterrent force of cyber capabilities, meaning they wanted to go hack China. And I'm like, oh, uh, I was like, oh. First, I got really excited because I'm like, I'm a nerd and I want to play with all the toys. And I go and talk to my uh, ex special force buddies, and they're like, no, you're not adult enough for this. You need to back off right now. Don't do any of that. And that's kind of where I had a big epiphany, which was maybe my role in all this is not to go and be on the front line. Uh, maybe my role is to build the systems that support the people qualified to go and do the good works. And that's when I really decided to, to start the venture capital thing. It's like, I need to be investing in people building companies that innovate in cybersecurity, not me trying to innovate. Because I can have me innovate, oh, yeah. or I can have hundreds of other guys innovate. Right, I might have hundreds of other guys. Yeah, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an identity shift when you are the man to being, well, I'm the, the power behind the throne. Mm -hmm. um, and that's was actually surprisingly simple at that particular point. But it's, uh, no, it's, yeah, that was, that was messed up. That was messed up. Because it was basically six months worth of, you know, work down the drain. So we, just, we just backed the hell out. We're like, nope. So how many people are on your team now? Versus so, when you first started. So right now we've got about four guys in my venture fund. Um, it's really a 
Do you have an incubator? So I'm not a, I'm not a, so here, here why don't I talk about what's wrong with incubators? <laughs> yeah, please do. It's like, why would I put a bunch of kids in a room and sleep to steal each other's idea? So I've gone through incubators, accelerators, I got a company and I was like, oh, idea. so the thing is, is that if you don't do this right, one of the problems is they're only three months long, right? Why? And so the model I've built up is a five-year process, mm -hmm. which starts from you might have a business idea, mm -hmm. and it ends with you've reached Series A investment, and you have a fully staffed company with a real C-suite doing the work. And everybody tries to cut corners on this crap. Everybody tries to say, I'll just give you a little bit of money, good luck. And what these early stage entrepreneurs need is somebody to walk alongside them. Yeah, and a mentor. And so I call it pre-accelerator, uh, pre accelerator, incubator, um, uh, launch, and then produce. And that's a five-year process. That has not come out yet. Wait, say that one more time. So it's pre-accelerator, I got an idea. Right. Okay, cool. Let's talk about your idea. We'll talk about business. Once you've figured out that you've got a business model and customers that might be interested, um, we get an accelerator. Great. So pre-accelerator, accelerator. Because people fail in accelerators because they're just not ready. So you get in there, okay, now it's all about team, product market fit, making sure that the money's going to flow. And then if that works, then we take you to the next stage, which is launch. And that's all about us helping gain that series, uh, that seed funding. And that seed funding comes from us. You don't have to go waste right, your time yeah. knocking on doors because I'm like, no, I know you. And that's the incubator part. Right. So the incubator part is actually a two year experience, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I've seen, I heard, I have, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, so yeah, so what's your, so you think that's a two year? For me, it's a two to three year. So mm -hmm. I'm looking at one of my portfolio companies as an example, and it's a three year, and now they're ready for Series A. The amount of problems they had where they had they had just stumbled and they were da, 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 da. there's just so much and this CEO was lucky because he built an amazing board of directors he had access to stuff and most people don't it gets back to those good boy networks right, right? Yeah, yeah. and so if you don't have access to that and you're a lone wolf trying to grow this thing mm -hmm. if it's important for me to innovate effectively in cybersecurity then it's important to me that the good ideas make it through that process I would hate to see us not get what we need because somebody was great at technology and solving the problem mm -hmm. and couldn't build a pitch deck that a VC would find. Wow. And so to me, when you say incubator, and this is a model that's a concept only, I haven't done this yet, but to me, that's the right answer. The right answer is slow the hell down. All right, yeah, they be throwing all schools out there. And they always, Absolutely. And then, they, um, and then the kids will be like, yeah, I love you, fun. I'm like, no, I'm really good. I love you, like, how did you do that? Don't worry about it. That's not. Oh, dude. So that you already know what the kids are. They're trying to, they're trying to feed your brain. Well, the thing is, is that, that there's different phases to entrepreneurship. I say business happens to you, by you, through you, and for you. And to you is early stage hustle pain, right? You're a victim right there. You gotta right. do something. And then by you is you've entered hero mode. Through you, you finally realize you build systems, and the company runs itself, and you manage the people you're managing still, the right. systems. And then for you, you just have assets that produce wealth. And it takes, and if I'm here at businesses happening to me, and I'm looking at somebody over here at businesses happening for me, I'm like, can I pick your brain? No, I can't, re huh. I can't help you. We are on different heroes journeys. Man. Right, exactly. What's working for me today, if you try that, you will ruin what you're working on today. Make sure you stay your lane and do your own growth. Did you, so you, did you ever have this, uh, 
it sounds like you're speaking from experience. Oh yeah. So what was it? I mean, what was one of the worst moments? Um, did you, did you 2000, so it was uh, 10 years ago. That shit is creepy. Oh, it, it hurts, man. I got, yeah. I got, like, what are you doing? Wait, you go, what? So I remember when I got fired from my own company. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wait, wait. Yeah, no, it wasn't like, it, it wasn't like some VC kicking me out. It was my, uh, I hired my older brother as a president, which was great, because I'd be like, hey, remember that time you blew with me and right. all the grown up? Move those servers. <laughs> all right, now move them back. Right. So, um, my marriage was falling apart. My two-year-old son called me Adam, not Dad, because he only would talk to me on FaceTime and he saw my name. Oh. Um, I had put so much into my company. I bled, I mean, and, and I wouldn't let go. I had, it was really in business was happening by me. I was on every sales call, I was on every project. I, was, I had a team of 25 people and I was the only one going out and doing the thing. And I was carrying the whole thing. And I was building this badass company and I was losing everything that was important to me. Hi. And so my my brother and my uh, one of my VPs came in and they're like, Adam, you brought your wife to Vegas for this conference. Oh, uh, you've been here two days. You haven't spent any time with her at all. Uh, you're not allowed to come to any more meetings. Yeah. You're fired. <laughs> and they're like, you have to stop and start. And so I had a huge identity crisis when because I knew they were right, right. And uh, so general balance. I had zero balance. And so then the pension swung too far the other direction. And I did three years of CrossFit. And oh, uh, <laughs> oh my God. So, so I joined a different cult, right? And, right. Uh, and I really poured back in to all that. But my, I, my identity was all screwed up because what's my, what's my right, personal right, worth, right? right? Yeah, yeah. You don't have yeah. Every time I, like, what? Yeah, and I get, I'm getting a check every, every month. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell am I even doing? Like, what are you doing this? it for? Yeah. So then I sold my company three years later, which by the way, because I wasn't in my company, when I sold it, I got to claim my income as an ad back and I basically got an extra million dollars on the sale of the company. So there's value uh, right, yeah, yeah. in being separate from your company that oh, you yes. don't want to do the way I did it, right? Um, so the, the, the trauma of all that really showed me that I did the four phases incorrectly. And so I did this talk in Bangkok, um, about 700 uh, location independent entrepreneurs, where I just like kind of bled all over the place, hiring the wrong presidents, putting the wrong people in charge. The joke in my company was, if you want to get fired, be named CEO of Palmetto Security. And they were, they were right, because I didn't have leadership skills. I didn't know what I was doing. I'd be like, hey, you can be president. I was an entrepreneur, I figured out, I'll be kind enough and let you figure it out. Right. You can't hire from within and expect them to morph into you. Right. You, you, I was throwing the people who were who cared the most about my company to the wolves. I was cannibalizing the very humans mm -hmm. that made the whole thing work. And so it's a, there's a right way to grow your company. And I take all these lessons and when I'm chairman of board or if I'm working with an entrepreneur, I'm paying real close attention on what phase are they in. Mm -hmm. And you can measure that by seeing how they are, what they're handling their people, their processes, and their systems. And if you have that Venn diagram, and they're not a whole lot of systems, but there's a whole lot of processes and people, all right, you're a hero. You don't have any repeatable things. Anybody here gets hit by a bus, you're screwed. As they, <laughs> they go over here, more systems, right? And so there's a... There's a lot of systems. Well, the, the thing is, is that entrepreneurs have, 
unhealthy expectations on how fast they need to move. Mm -hmm. And they also have unhealthy expectations on what they should be responsible for. And at the end of the day, what you really need to do is be self-aware to when you are no longer an additive to your company, or mm -hmm. let me rephrase that in a better way. I know you, yeah. When you're not an additive to that process. When you're not, when you're not, when you're not the sole all be all. Okay. You're yeah, not the heart of the brain. When you make your meeting uncomfortable because you're sitting in it, right. maybe that's a sign. Yeah. Which is great. You have to go through those learning pains. I, I, I'm not saying you should avoid that pain, but you should be aware of it when it's happening mm -hmm. and take action. Do something, find a mentor, find mm -hmm. somebody, because it's hard to transition from face to face by yourself. Right. I think that's probably why I fail, is I really didn't have a mentor. I say I fail, I still sold the company and we still did the thing, but if it did it in a more elegant way, probably wouldn't have had to sell. I probably would have still had a cash engine generating passive income, mm -hmm. or sold for a higher multiple. And it's, uh, I don't know, this business stuff is, it's my favorite thing in the world, because entrepreneurs, who are nurtured can innovate our way out of any of these so many things. So we're the most resourceful people. Mm -hmm. They're really hard. And it's just so unfortunate that we're all being forgotten. Mm. So what do you think about the plight of America at this point? Like what's going on with all is reviewing you see what's going on. Uh -huh. yeah. So what's really going on? I tell it's like all these companies are merging. It's all one oh, yeah. big company. It's like, how do you do that? Acquisitions and mergers. The thing that pisses me off the most is the housing market right now. That's a piece of shit. I just, I, uh, and it's frustrating because I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. The fact that large mega corporations can buy swaths, just entire the whole, neighborhoods, yeah, whole, yeah, and whole then grid. not even fill it, and let them sit, and then go down here. I'm like. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's the, the, the thing that I like, I, I'm, I'm bullish on humanity. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're going to head in the right direction, but I'm, but the damn whipsaw up and down of we made progress, now we lose right. progress. We make progress, now we lose progress. And there's always some other threat coming mm -hmm. through to destabilize society and to stop the gains and take the gains back, you know? I said it on, on stage not too long ago. It's like, this is a long race. Don't don't show up, make a big bang, bright noise, and expect to change. You might change the short term, and then it will go right back. You've got to be in it for the long haul. And so when you say, you know, what, what's going on with, you know, America, what's going on with society in general, man, it's, it's tough because those in power have a lot of tools to stay in power. And a lot of that tool, a lot of that toolbox is filled with misdirection. We are worried about some of the dumbest stuff and the, and the, the house is burning and someone's like, do you like where this carpet is in the living room? Say <laughs> so you want a Mercedes Benz, but you don't have money to pay your rent. And then after they teach us how to do all this, it's just really weird. We live in a society where, they, where you're penalized for not having debt. And that's utterly ridiculous. Exactly. Especially for an entrepreneur when you don't have debt. That's the best thing you ever want in your life. You know, debt is a four-letter word. And it's like... Yeah, it doesn't even feel good when you have it. You no. know, a couple thousand dollars. I'm like, ooh. No, it's right. heavy. You can't get rid of this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just pay $200 real quick. Pay for this, pay for that. You know what I'm saying? Pay a thousand dollars. You gotta get rid of that I shit. I need to be agile and not have handcuffs. And yeah. Now, I'm all about effective use of debt financing to yeah. give you a thing. Right. But 
we're really careful when we take debt for our companies. We understand what we're doing. We understand cash flow. We know that that debt is going to turn into value. Yeah. But the, most of society takes debt that does not turn into value. Yeah. It takes debt that devalues. Yeah, and buy to buy. And creates more debt. But you lose the game for no reason. And so, you know, that's... Uh, so I would take debt on to get an employee that has that they had a book of business that could sell, mm -hmm. you know, a million dollars. Heartbeat. Right. A heartbeat. But there are no ad agencies. Mm -hmm. So the new model is, you know, reader revenue, things like that. Well, and, and you know, I play around with the, the private equity and I'm just, I, I love private equity and hate private equity. I hate private equity because a lot of the times the right answer after you buy or roll off a series of companies mm -hmm. is that the overhead is the humans. Why? And I, that just makes me sick to my stomach to know that I'm going to be saying, it's not that you're not doing your job well, it's that my spreadsheets need to be clean and now my cash flow is broken right. because of the overhead. Uh -huh. And so we like roll-ups in e-com. I like technology-based roll-ups that have high enough profit mm -hmm. margins where after we do that, there's no hemorrhaging of human talent. There's mm -hmm. no, so in my hand, it's like a conscious roll-up where we're consciously trying to do the roll-ups in such a way that doesn't cause harm mm -hmm. to the employees. Um, maybe the right answer is when we have better leaders inside of our businesses, small businesses um, in the supply chain, that that can be the thing that sets the tone for the entire culture. How you treat that small business owner as a government is going to ripple through how humanity, how the society in the United States is going to be treated. Because if you have a, a, a good person running your small business, you have somebody who understands and they're feeling nurtured and they're feeling safe, mm -hmm. that's the person I want excited to be helping their 20 employees. I don't want the government to be super excited about how am I going to handle all of No, no, no. Regulate as, as little as possible, put as much in there as you need. And the problem is with what I just said is so subjective. Because what I might think is the right kind of regulation you might disagree with. And uh, what, what, what do you what, what you feel is the right regulation? Um, what I think is right regulation. Man, that's a out of curiosity. Huge question, dude. So it's like I think because I think that's a really important question. It is. It's a super big question. I tell people, the entrepreneurs I work with, I say you have more responsibility to build massive amounts of wealth so you can have the good that you want to see in the world happen. And the regulation I want to see is the kind of thing that will stop these super corporations that is out of control capitalism. Capitalism is an amazingly powerful tool, but the person who is welding that tool matters. And there are going to be times. I mean, you guys remember Exxon, right? Yeah. They, they, did, they did not show up one day and say, let's be super corrupt. That was a death of a thousand cuts so inside of all of those cultural failures. I want regulation that goes after the dinosaur large mega companies and prevents them from doing harm. Now, what does that look like? I don't know. Why? <laughs> It was like it was like uh, at this point, unfortunately, prior like Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and the other part is, remember when we believe? No, I don't. I'm just gonna say, remember. I don't know if any of us were alive when they broke up Bell into AT&T and all these other things. Oh yeah, but, yeah. Oh my God, maybe. But yeah. they Jesus. could do that remember because that? no, I wasn't there. 
Jesus. <laughs> but but the thing is, I remember that. But that yeah, 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 yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, when when I got I got my tramp stamp of AT and T on the back. Did you really have? I, I had my razor. So, the, oh, uh, but the reason we could do that back in the day because it was a telecom company in the United States. But now we're in a global economy. Right. Yeah. So, if I'm, am I gonna split up these major corporations and then put a uh, put us in a, a, a batter, batter in a worse position to compete on a global scale? And those are questions that I don't have enough data or insight into to know if I'm right or wrong. And so when we get down to what's the right level of regulation, my default is I probably don't have enough information to make good decisions. And damn it, that's why I am expecting more from my politicians. And, you know, maybe what we do, the right form of regulation is to buy the right lobbyists. I mean, I mean yeah, it is the, it is. the regulation will follow the money. I don't know how the hell AT&T wasn't able to buy T-Mobile and then T-Mobile bought Sprint. But we all know there's two different types of networks at the same time. Why the hell are we still paying for cell phone bills? That don't make no damn sense. So I, you know, mm -hmm. I bought my own units this past year, even during the recession, because I was like, if you do the math, even simple math, simple math. First of all, you're not even giving me back the money I put into this unit and I got one that has full four camera capability, you know, four camera package with heavy hard drive. And then on top of that, you, it's like, you're trying to give me, and then you're trying to give me $200 for the shit. Right, <laughs> only right. Bitch, oh, it was $2,000. Yeah, their spreadsheets look great, don't they? Yeah. yeah. And then you put me in a bill that you're gonna have me buy my phone, which is really lease. Mm -hmm. And I'm paying another $800 more than what the phone is actually worth. Then I'm paying you 120 in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. In the beginning, then it ends up being $220. And you're trying to do that for your family. Right. And next thing that? you know, you've got like a Mercedes, you know, car bill. Exactly. Right? You might as well, yeah. And all you're doing is living off of like some nasty ass McDonald's. Like, nah. And you're definitely not investing. You're definitely your not health, having that mental health. bandwidth. Yeah. You know, you're stressed out. I think most people on the planet have the capacity and the potential to do amazing things if they feel psychologically safe, if they feel. Mm -hmm that it's safe for them to go and try a thing. And you can't do that when you're massive in debt, or your bills are greater than or equal to your income. And if you don't have this margin of safety, how in the world should we expect you to innovate or be creative? Because when you're you're afraid, right? That's what you're thinking about, yeah. Yeah, your cortisol is going. All you got is fight or flight. Your brain's mm -hmm. chemicals are literally fighting against your creativity. Mm -hmm. um, so, Circling back to the regulatory, if I had a magic wand, I can wave it. Right, right. I would ask, I would just be like, look, how do we create a, a sliver of psychological safety for everybody in the United States so that people feel safe? Mm -hmm. So that people, because holy crap, we all felt safe and we all got together and did the right thing. Sounds like Israel. There you go. I mean, I mean, when I got to go to Israel, I didn't understand what that was about, but I was like, oh my God, you know, the news portrays it to be some, some dangerous, nasty, dirty, bomb infested, which could have been true at some points, but let's be honest, it's some of the most beautiful land you ever laid eyes Really? I've never been. Yeah, Israel is gorgeous. Jerusalem is gorgeous. Tel Aviv is amazing. You know, like, um, it's in the side of the National Park, that whole area, brother. It's just gorgeous. So, I don't know, it's just like, we get all these lies. And, it's just a bunch of, you know, Africa's garbage, and I went to Africa.
parts wow, of it. Dude, I want to put so much money into Africa. Africa is that amazing. Is, that's the emerging market. Yeah, that's the emerging market. South, uh, South Africa has been emerging in markets. And then even Southeast Asia, like Jakarta has a great market. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's just a lot going on in this world. But right now, it's like, all you need is an inter internet signal. But then I'm also noticing that people are getting some, um, a lot of cohorts are getting some pushbacks. Why do you think that is right now? Oh, the pushback, but no one likes to transfer of power. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so there's two different sides of that no one likes to transfer of power. The first one is those who are in power, share yourself, don't want to go over power. The second is the there's a percentage of our, our population that feels safe when things don't change, when things are like they used to be, and change itself is the threat. You put those two things together. You're going to get pushed back on basically everything you try to do, um, and the reason some of that fails is that when we are trying to enact change in the world, and we don't ask permission, we're going to do it our way, and we're going to push through, we get everyone else's defenses up. And sometimes you just have to do that. There's some things that you just have to do that. And when you don't have to do that, though, if we can find a way to talk to people, and we can say, look. What you think about me is wrong. You don't know me. You don't know this idea I'm pushing forward. You have assumptions about it that are incorrect because of whatever media you consumed or whatever you know news outlet you're listening to. It's so boring that the right answer is always we should just love each other and have a damn conversation. It's really harder than that. It is hard. But it's so sad because when you go overseas and you see from public, it's sad as America's losing a lot of talented people. Oh, we're, I'm, I'm looking at losing my family. Yeah, me too, myself. I'm just getting the hell out of here. Because it's just like it's not fun anymore. It's like, you know, how fun is it if, you, if you're doing stuff and your friends aren't able to do, you know, things with you? It's kind of lonely. And it's like, and then sometimes you find yourself getting in the pickle too sometimes. Yeah. <clears throat> because you're trying to find happiness. And it's just like, it's very unfortunate, but I have a lot of friends who are just living overseas right now. So one of the... Marita, you know, Mary, I can't pronounce this word. But you know, I know, yeah. Yucatan. Mm -hmm. um, you already know, Jakarta, Ex expats are everywhere. So one of the uh, the things I do to help nurture the CEOs in my, my portfolios is we do mastermind groups. And there are, uh, one of them is a location independent entrepreneurs all over the world. But, they're all over the world, so how do we get them together? We send them all Oculuses and we jump into the yeah, Exactly, exactly. It's like, we are not as far away as you think we are. We're not, we're right next to each other. It's so in. fun. And so, you know, we, you can do that, and, and VR works for a while, but there's nothing like face-to-face. -face. Like so we, we do adrenaline-based networking, where we're like, let's, we, we took everyone to Vegas a couple weeks ago, flew planes and played laser tag in the sky. Well, I threw up like multiple times. That was not good. Shot machine guns from the helicopter, like all this stuff, right? Yeah, it's just, and, you were you And you look at these guys who, you know, all of them are high net worth entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. All of them are lonely. All of them are like can't trust anybody. And always angry. And here's your peer group. All. Nobody here <laughs> is asking you for anything, and actually, no one's impressed at all. And nobody hears about you. And you just shot guns together, and everyone's giggling. Everyone's relaxed and everyone's healing, and it's the 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 punchline to what I think we just talked about is when you stay trapped in your current situation. That's the down. That's the downfall. You you're screwed, and it doesn't have to be that way. And 
you can change. You can do something different. And absolutely, it could be hard. And I not even pretend like I know everyone's situation. It's real but, but at the end of the day, that's what are you gonna do? You're gonna sit here and suffer. You're gonna go do something about it. You gotta do something about it. You gotta feel something. Do you do you believe in alchemy? Do How do you mean? Like um, seeing is believing. If you believe, it becomes. Yeah, I'm. I, yeah, I call that you know mindset clarity manifestation of yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely, your your thoughts matter. Yeah, your thoughts really matter. They really do. That's creepy because we were sitting at this convention. You know, a year ago. Well, not this one exactly, but someone something pretty mm -hmm. close to it. And then I went to another one, and I was like, okay. But, you know, I'm going as press, so I don't care how to pay for anything. It's a win-win for me. Right. You know, for me, I'm, I'm enjoying learning about something that I had no clue about. Amen. So I'm learning. And then even if I don't learn, I'm going to ask somebody to make my shit. Right. You get it done anyway, right? Thank you. Yeah. It's in my name. I got the collectibles. I don't know what y'all call it, but I got something. <laughs> I got some legacy. I got, I got something. I got some science happening. Right. right. So, you know, it is what it is. But even if I get burned, it's like, it's okay. Yes. At least I try. At least I try to put myself out there, and I feel like a lot of people don't take that risk to put themselves out there. So, what would you say to those people? Oh, I'd say everything happens that you want on the other side of fear. Every good thing is on the other side of fear, and you don't have to have the absence of fear. Right. Courage isn't absence of fear. Courage is acting while being fearful, and it is okay to be uncomfortable, and it is okay not to do it. And so, what I would tell folks is give yourself ten seconds of courage every day. It's something hard. That you just stood in it for 10 seconds, you get through it. It could be registering for this event. Oh, but what are they going to think oh, about God, me? What yeah. are they okay, yeah. 10 seconds of courage, I did it. Oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> it becomes a habit. Yeah. And now you're doing 10 seconds of courage every day. And you're pretty much winning at life because mm -hmm. it doesn't take it. It doesn't take big changes, right? No, it doesn't. Yeah. But, but the thing is, be careful what you love and what you hate because you're going to attract all of them. And so this 10 seconds of courage should be used to move away from hate and move towards love. And damn it, love a future for yourself. Find a thing. And you don't have to have a big vision. I'm sure you guys can relate. The vision I have for my future today is completely different than it was 10 years ago. Your vision is going to be wrong. It's fine. Head, head in a direction. Pick a thing. Move your feet. Right. <laughs> so it's now you're a successful businessman, doing all these amazing things. What do you find that you love most in life? Uh, what you what you? <laughs> when my son and daughter pile on me on the couch when we watch some stupid movie. I have, uh, that's the thing that jumps into my mind. Dad is my favorite job. On this Father's Day, dad is my favorite job. I probably should say husband. I love you, baby. I love you, baby. <laughs> husband is my favorite job. But, but the thing that, um, what I'm using my platforms now is I'm all about space. I'm all about, um, if you want to save the world, one of the things we could do is stop destroying it. One of the ways we destroy it is mining the shit out of the thing. Yeah. And so I'm working with guys who have raised 55 million, built asteroid mining companies, have them fail. And the technology is there for us to get the resources we need in our solar system so that there is no scarcity. What that doesn't solve is the politics right. of yes. scarcity. So my, the one time my dad ever got shot at in the Air Force was in Somalia. 20 years in the Air Force, went through multiple conflicts, were delivering rice to Somalians. Mm -hmm. And the warlords were staining control of the population by controlling the food. So these marine columns would go through the city 
and they would be attacked. My and I take responsibility for what I can do, and I can help move us towards space. But someone else out there has got to stand up and make sure that when we have rice and it's time to go to the people who need it, that it actually gets there. All right. Because what's like? I mean, you watch all these movies about you know folks from Rwanda and all this other stuff. You know, as a kid, I was going to go to South Africa. I didn't even realize. After they ended apartheid mm. and being African American there, that looked color to them. And so I opened my mouth and I said, "You know, a little country twang because of Detroit." Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what they, they didn't care. They didn't care. Africans they either love you or you hate you. Uh huh. Um, I murdered you, so I fuck you up in Africa. And Africans, uh, Dutch, whatever you know, Portuguese, whatever that language is. Yep, yep. But it's a very interesting language to say the least. But it's uh, yeah, I learned that word. Um, but I was just thinking, like, I, I, I thought to myself the other day, I was like, you were a real, like, crazy-ass son of a bitch to go there as a kid by yourself. And that was one of the first places I went. And I still think to this day, like, I can't even believe I did that. Oh, yeah. Because when I went there recently as a press trip, right before the pandemic, that team's like my it was just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, like, once you look fear in the eyes, it's scary as hell, but it's like, you know what? It's, somebody's gotta do it. <laughs> I like the idea that fear's a wall, and there's something on the other side. It's something on the other side. It's like opening that door and knowing the boogeyman is there. Because well, I really thought he was there. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of more like Candyman. You know, like, I can't see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Move on, move on, move on. He's gonna come for you. But he didn't come for me. I don't know why. I'm, I'm completely cool with Freddy Krueger. Let's not talk about him. Freddy Krueger scared me for the longest. I thought him and Nancy was like loving each other. But um, but yeah, it's so great though. So now now um, that you're in this space, how, do you have any quick? We're not quick tips, but just some real easy little exercises that people can do. Mental mental jogging, some mental strength strengthening that people can do. Sure. So the uh, I'm part of a nonprofit called Space for Humanity. And Space for Humanity's whole thing is that humanity needs a cognitive upgrade and a consciousness upgrade. And they believe, through the study of over 600 astronauts, that by looking down on Earth and not seeing the lines on the continents, right. by not and by seeing this ball in space, that your perception of your role in humanity changes. And so, one of the things that's exciting about space for me is the idea that. It can be a trigger for a consciousness upgrade of humanity. So I'm in a big hurry to get all of us to go to space. I'm in a big hurry to experience it myself. But that one's kind of expensive. And yeah, uh, we're not going to get there anytime soon. So what do we do until then? Well, the, the thing is, it's just practicing self-awareness, right? And I feel like, actually, I don't believe what I just said. I lied to your face. <laughs> self-awareness is great. A lot of people know self-awareness. What I want people to start practicing is self-regulation. Self-regulation is I feel my feels and I'm still in control of my behavior. Mm -hmm. Because too many people are walking around right now saying, I feel a thing, you have to respect how I feel. Mm -hmm. like, no, I don't. And I'm like, what no, 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 no. Right. Like, why are you telling me that? So you can work around me. No, that's why? not No, you feel your thing. And that's good that you felt that thing. I'm glad you know who you are. Now your job, 
is to handle your things so you can operate in society. And you can operate with other human beings. And you can ask for help and you can be open for help. Because with you know, self, the, the emotional intelligence wheel goes uh, self-awareness, self-regulation, self-motivation, empathy, social skills, right? And we just never get to this part of empathy and social skills because we're so damn focused on our own feelings. Mm. And I never want to say that your feelings aren't valid, but come on, every once in a while. Yeah, we all get jealous. Let's, let, but let's, if we're all feeling our feels all the time, we can get nothing done. And so until the consciousness shift happens, until humanity upgrades, whenever or however that looks, practice uh, practice mindfulness. Just stop. I mean, you heard me do it. I said, like, hey, I don't believe what I just said. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. Just, yeah. just check yourself. Sometimes you gotta check yourself. It's like, yeah. it's like, you know you need some water. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't need no more drink. I'm like, oh, the moonshine. Well, you definitely need that, and it will be very affordable. No, it will not be very expensive. Right, exactly. Like $500,000 just to get to the moon and another $800,000 for the moon shot. Mm hmm. Because it's prohibition on the moon. Oh, you, <laughs> you've seen my business model. I get you. Right. <laughs> but that's awesome. So, no, that, that makes perfect sense. Because the world we live in is that a lot of. It's all a mindset, like you said. And right now, I feel like it's kind of interesting. I'm trying my best to stay strong like everybody else, but it's like. This looks like a movie to me. Well, you know what's interesting <laughs> is that it is okay not to be strong sometimes. Yeah, and vulnerability. You know, take a knee when you need to take a knee, but it's not safe to do that if you don't surround yourself with good people. Yeah. And my daughter had an experience uh, last school year where she was trying to be vulnerable and practice all of these great skills, but the people she was doing that trash. with were not. That's trash. And so you can't be vulnerable and accessible to every human if yes. until you can validate that they're going to show up on your behalf too. Yeah. So and you got to be in a you got to be in a mental headspace to deal with that bullshit. Oh, yeah. Falls on your back. She probably was devastated. She, she was. They were trash. Yeah, it was uh, good friends who turned out not to be good friends. And you know that sounds like destroy everybody's life. One hundred percent. And you have to go through those wrong pains. But I feel like if, if if another human being can learn from another human being, why do we have to go through those problems all the time? What makes us have to go through those hoops in our own? Why do I, why do I want to get my? Why, when I was a little kid, I took uh, remember Grasshopper, the super little uh, comic movie. Yeah. Why do I have to burn my arm too? I literally did. I have two burn marks to this day as a grown man. So it's like, why did I do that? Why do we do that? Why do we have to burn our get burned to feel like we're that we're going through something? If if you went through something, you told me not to do it. I'm gonna respect that. I'm just happy I'm the youngest of my family. You're gonna respect it now. Mm. Because you went through all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. And but you would not like so wisdom is like what is it? How's this book go? Like the wisdom is someone else who's gone through something on your back and you believe in that. I totally butcher that. Right. But <laughs> but the, the but you know I, I would rather have wisdom where I'm listening to you than knowledge where I'm experiencing it. Right. 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 And it takes a long time to gain wisdom. And gaining wisdom isn't I have the answer. Gaining wisdom is I'm open to asking the question mm-hmm. and getting the answer. That sounded good. Yeah. Right. Well, so done out of that, right? Well, done <laughs> <out>. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, Dang, that happened. So, Adam, is there anything else you would like to talk to us? Because you, you spread it as a lot. Of, I mean, I thought I was going to get cybersecurity. Oh, right. I thought I was going to get some chamber of commerce. He was going to tell me how to get my, you know, employees together yeah i mean it's the complete opposite because basically you already know cybersecurity is a 
the state of mind. Do you know that you will, if you build a psychologically safe work environment where people feel they can talk to each other, you're going to have good cybersecurity. It's not the technology, it's your people. Yeah, Picture over the door. Um, I had a banking customer. <laughs> sure. He uh, he failed a phishing test. You know, we send these tests out, you click on them and get training. And the, the rule was if you clicked on three of these things, mm -hmm. you were fired. You clicked on two of them, you lost your bonus. That's what? a punitive. It's so evil. That's wrong. And so mm -hmm. I'm like, that's completely wrong. If the, if somebody had a fire in their office, you would want that guy to go out into the fire and be like, guys, everyone fire. <laughs> this fire in here, right? When you do punitive behaviors towards your employees and you do not make it safe for them to tell you when there is danger. Mm -hmm. and you don't make them feel comfortable. What are you going to get? Right. You're going to get a danger. You're going to get employees that are scared. So you want security? Then make it safe for an employee to say there's something wrong and train them that it's okay to do that. And you do that by creating safe work environments, psychologically safe work environments. And, you know, everything we talked about today goes right on back to if you're a good person, if you're a good leader and you create safe places for your employees and then you ask them for help and tell them what the risks are, last step is equipping them. And that's the easy part. The hard part is getting them mentally where they need to be to be open to be equipped. Yeah, that's why I tell my, uh, my friends sometimes. I tell them I said something. It's like you have to empower your employees. Mm -hmm. You have to make them feel safe. And, it, and, and to me, an employee is not. An, I don't think. I don't think people are an employee anymore. We think people, you know, their colleagues at this point. Absolutely. I mean, we're all in the trenches together. Because, yep. You know, like I was telling, like we were saying on the panel, it's like these charity organizations. It's like get the hell out of here. I know so many charity organizations that have taken me to some of the top um, industry. Part of events with Tiffany and Company, with blood diamonds everywhere, and you got a Jaguar that's one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars in the house, and you're doing this stuff with kids in the hood. Hell out of here! Like, how does that happen? We could do a whole episode on what's wrong with nonprofits. I hate that word, nonprofit. I don't think you know. I think I think for profits right now are nonprofits now. <laughs> I mean, so if your if our mission's good enough and important enough, find a way to sustain it through monetization so you don't have to mm -hmm. always be out there asking for money because whoever you ask for money from has a voice in how you do your mission mm -hmm. so if your mission is important enough and you have a clear vision you'll do it yourself stop asking well well you can leave i mean you can be i feel like if it's a movement right i feel like if you're a part of something that's bigger than you and, mm -hmm. and everybody can like feel it and they can see it and visualize it. one of my blind spots is i often try to show capitalism into every problem and that is not the right answer. And I know it's not the right answer. But my knee-jerk reaction is, well, just turn everything into a business. And not everything should be a business. Mm -hmm. Government shouldn't be a business. Um, you know, service industries, hospitals shouldn't be a business. That's the fact that there's somebody who has to decide whether or not you get treated based off of the profitability and the shareholder returns that are fiduciarily guaranteed or not guaranteed but managed right there's a there's a uh, yeah managed care i know i worked in it that's crazy what was those girls called the um the caseworker mm -hmm. she really wasn't nobody she was like this you know she was a, an admin like you're not a doctor how can you tell me i can't i don't need brain surgery whatever fucking tumor well, because my, my checklist <laughs> said I had to say no to certain things. Why? Wow. And your leg hurts and you can't get an MRI? So, so you have to get you know, x-ray five times? There's always going to be something wrong with our world. Yeah, but, of course. So what we got to get really good at 
is momentum for doing good and knowing we'll never fix the thing all the way. And that's hard. That's hard. That's why I tell people I take responsibility for 1% or less of every problem. Because I can only do what I can do. And if I'm, like, let's say healthcare, if I try to be the guy who's responsible for fixing healthcare, done. But I can be that guy who's responsible to move it 0.01% forward and hand it off to the next one. And to me, that's how I survive in this, this kind of stuff, is like, do what you can to the best of your ability with the best morals and ethics possible. And trust that someone else is gonna see what you did and pick it up and take it to the next step. Yeah, I'm doing man, such great singers. <laughs> I'm loving What is our fast track? I wonder why you get those the panties off of those new, the new company people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you're doing. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> no, you know, it's a plus energy though. Yeah. This is, the, this, this, is, this is fun. This is great. So yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Adam, for um, stopping by. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for giving me the you know, right now people need that. Right now, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people right now. I mean, they've been laid off, so you have nothing. You, you either, you know, there is no more government aid. So, <laughs> and right now, so you gotta make your gotta make your job. So people right now, we, we were forced to, you know, make our own. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of fear out there, and the best thing you can do for fear is find community. Yeah. If you're in pain, if you're in panic, find somebody and hold on tight. Don't drag them down. Help help somebody else next to you. Right. Right. It's all about helping people. That's what I said. I was telling I was telling you that. Sometimes you know you have people in your um your competitive set, I say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you like, why this fucking bitch ain't oh, excuse me, computer. You like, why this you know, and it's like it's you know, we're all naive to a certain degree. Sure. You think that you're really your friends, but they're really not. But um, it is what it is. You know, you live, you learn, like you said. But um, I'm like, why does person want to lean on me? And I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. And then people, and then they'll tell, they'll tell their friends how well you are. And then they won't pass you on business. But then at the same time, you've been giving them business advice, and their business is thriving. Yeah, that, that's a kick in the balls. Yeah, then you live and learn. But I think it's very, you know, that's an interesting person that stays in that situation. So you can't stay. I don't believe you stick around people or energy that does not want to see you do better for yourself. But and I think that it's often energy that exists that when we are such ultimate connectors, we don't tap it. I'm gonna own yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm yeah, gonna you own that. If I'm left yeah. out of a deal, oh, and man. that deal is between two human beings who I like a lot, and I introduce them, I'm gonna own that. That's me who did not set up that deal correctly. Yep, you did not set that deal up. But you know what? Something I, I learned how to get stuff out of the deal though. Mm -hmm. I learned that a long time ago. Even if the person was shy to your con artist was just doing something they were supposed to be doing, it's okay. I got something out of that deal to a certain degree. I learned something. Yeah. Or yeah. I was able to at least build upon something else. Because branding is huge too. So you get to a point where you're set. You get to a point, right, where you're like, okay, actually me helping these guys, or being a part of that deal is a giant distraction for the amazing thing I'm already doing. Exactly. And so you're like, fire and forget, and then they turn into a billion dollar unicorn, you're like, guys, <laughs> what about me? I'm like, you can come to the party. I don't want to come to the party, I want to, pay. I want to get paid. Right. Stuff. It's like all the people in Wall Street that was doing derivatives, they're making millions of dollars, and all of a sudden they get laid off from Bear Stearns, and you already know, all those companies, and I was just laughing, I was like, that is negative and nasty. 
When it goes yeah. around, comes back around. Oh, yeah. And Wall Street, when you walk down the street right now, we ride our e-bikes. <laughs> so funny you said that, man. We ride our e-bikes down there. From, and uh, it's just nobody down there. They have a bowling alley and some kind of indoor. What is it? Yeah, uh, indoor theater. Yeah, some, yeah. yeah. It's going to make it more like commercial. It's going down there. I'd rather go to the Bronx. No, I, I love going to Wall Street because it's so quiet. It's so quiet. It's it's like Times Hotel. I haven't been yeah. here in like 20 years. You want to escape the noise of Manhattan, head to uh, Wall Street and mm -hmm. just take a walk. So quiet. Mm -hmm. It's dead. Mm -hmm. So it's like, now it's like, where are we now? But it's been great speaking to you. Yeah, thanks, guys. So, so um, is, is it... What are you doing tonight? Are you, are you, wait, how long are you be at the conference for? I'm leaving on the... 21st. So oh, got yeah, another, yeah. I, I'm, I'm moderating a, a talk tomorrow, um, meeting some of my uh, some space species here, uh, which is a weird group of people because they're slow capital people in a fast capital business model, and they got to balance. Uh, but yeah, when you meet people who raise money and spend it in the space industry, investing in ghost company, they're weird humans. They're, they're, they're worth sitting down and talking to. Them, so I'm gonna take some of those guys out. But, um, well, let yeah. us know. We can reach out to them over there. Sure. If worst case scenario, if we're not available, um, we're, we're, you can talk to them here. Or no, I'll, I'll find them where they are. Oh, okay. Let us know. We'd love to speak to them because, like sure. you said, you have that Elon Musk energy.